Well, there it is, episode 60 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. Here on the podcast, we try to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that make up Wichita's important business community. One of those issues, of course, who will lead this state as governor for the next four years. My goal, as you may have heard, is to have each of the candidates for governor on the podcast before the August primary, both parties and independent Greg Orman, who is my guest this week. We've heard from Democrats Josh Swatty and Laura Kelly and Republican Ken Seltzer. This time it's Orman, an independent from the Kansas City area who ran a few years ago against Pat Roberts and gave Roberts a pretty good scare. My conversation with Orman in a moment. First, some details about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. Project Wichita, it's a new grassroots effort to determine what Wichitans want their city to be in the next 10 years. This week we hear from business leaders who have stepped up to support Project Wichita. We asked them why they felt putting up $5,000 to be part of the process is a good investment. You hear from them beginning on page 12. This week a special report on education, an important topic in our community and in our state. That report begins on page 4. This week's list, Wichita Area Assisted Living Facilities, ranked by number of beds, page 14. This week, we spend 10 minutes with Mary Jones. She's the president and CEO of the Mental Health Association of South Central Kansas, and she loves serial killer stories. Yeah, hear about that on page 23. Are you in sales, business development? Well, I know you're always looking for new business. We can help. Just turn to our leads section on page 19. It includes the latest building permits, new corporations, real estate transactions, who owes back taxes, new lawsuits, That's information about who to contact and maybe who to stay away from. This week it starts on page 19. Back with independent candidate for Governor Greg Orman in a moment. Welcome to BizTalk with Bill Roy of the Wichita Business Journal. Talking business, your business that is, is what Equity Bank's team of bankers does best. Visit us today at equitybank.com. Greg Orman has a business background, graduated from Princeton in 1991 with an economics degree. He created a company that was sold to Kansas City Power & Light, then worked at KCP&L. He then founded a private equity firm. He's been involved with several other companies after that. Orman in 2014 ran against Senator Pat Roberts as an independent. Remember that Democrat dropped out of the race. Orman received 42% of the vote to Roberts' 53%. Orman chose John Dahl of Garden City to be his running mate. Greg Orman, thank you for being with us on the podcast. Bill, happy to be here. Appreciate it. How do you describe yourself on the political spectrum as you travel around the state and talk to people? Well, you know, I I really uh, spend more time describing, uh, I think, the qualities I have that would make me a good governor. You know, I'm I'm a, a serial entrepreneur. I've started and built many companies over the course of my life. Uh, and it's really that that private sector experience that has uh, informed my approach uh, to the public sector. Uh, you know, um, and I talk a lot about this on the campaign trail. You know, my approach to politics is is similar to what I would do in the in the private sector, which is which is to say, look, we need to get the best people serving the folks in Kansas. We need to assemble the best cabinet, the best uh, the best management team, if you will, for the state of Kansas. And you know, unlike other candidates who are are party candidates, uh, I don't have to pick my cabinet from a group of politically loyal Democrats or politically loyal Republicans. Uh, I get to pick the best and the brightest people to serve the state of Kansas. Uh, you know, the state of Kansas. Kansas is a $16 billion enterprise. 
that touches the lives of hundreds of thousands of people every day. And like I would do in the private sector, I think we need to be making uh, decisions about the people who serve Kansans based on competence, not based on political loyalty. We're a business publication, so what is your message for our listeners and, and readers, those men and women who lead and own small businesses and medium-sized businesses in, in the Wichita area and the state? Well, you know, the first thing I would say is I appreciate everything they do. You know, as a business owner myself, I realize uh, it's not so much you owning the business as it is the business owning you. Right. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of hard work that goes into creating jobs and opportunities for people. And, and so I really genuinely appreciate all the, all the work that our, our business community and small business community does creating jobs and opportunities for people. Uh, you know, look, if we look at the state of Kansas, uh, one of our biggest challenges is we have an aging population. You know, many of our young people are leaving the state. We're aging at a rate faster than the rest of the nation. And if we want to be able to provide for an increasingly dependent population and provide the jobs and opportunities uh, that keep our kids here, we're going to have to have a proactive strategy uh, for growing the Kansas economy. And I would really approach that, I think, the same way many of your readers and listeners would approach it as they think about growing their own businesses. You know, first and foremost, we have to ask what are our strengths? What are the things that we can leverage? Kansas is at the geographic center of the United States at a time when our economy is quickly moving from a bricks and mortar to a distributed economy. We should be the distribution capital of America. We have access to low-cost manufacturing inputs in the form of agricultural products and energy. Uh, we have three class one railroads that travel through the state. The largest private short-haul railroad in America is in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Uh, we should be the intermodal manufacturing capital of America. Uh, but we're not gonna be those things unless we have policies in Topeka that support the development of those industries. Uh, and so to that end, I have called for uh, the establishment and the development of local regulatory compacts uh, to help streamline the regulatory process so that we can see those industries develop. Uh, you know, I had the opportunity to talk to the head of strategy of, of one of the class uh, one railroads. Uh, and he told me they built an intermodal in Texas instead of in Kansas because it would take them twice as long to build it in Kansas. Well, mm -hmm. we, we've got to change that. We've got to change that perception. Who would those compacts be between? Well, they'd be between, between Topeka on the one hand and then the local regulatory bodies, municipal regulatory bodies on the other hand. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, r right now, uh, if we're looking to develop uh, intermodal manufacturing, we have to go through lots of, of permitting at the local level uh, to get uh, manufacturing uh, locations cited. And I think we need to say to local uh, areas of government, look, we want to be your partner in this. Uh, we want to develop these, uh, the infrastructure to allow these industries to thrive. And so if you're willing to streamline your regulatory process, you're willing to agree to certain time frames and certainty for, for businesses who are trying to build uh, manufacturing capacity in these areas, we're willing to target economic development dollars to you and highway dollars to you to help you 
uh, develop those industries. I want to go through some other industries uh, and sort of tick them off bullet point wise and get your thoughts on them. Uh, first, oil and gas. How will you help the energy sector? Oil prices have come back a little bit. They're not as bad as they were in the maybe in the past couple of years, but What's your thoughts on the uh, on the energy sector? You know, I, I think if we talk about energy in Kansas, while I recognize we've got a lot of uh, legacy investment in oil and gas, um, you know, the real opportunity in energy in Kansas continues to be in, in wind and solar. And and, um, you know, in that regard, uh, if we want to create an intermodal manufacturing capital of America, we also have to give our utilities the freedom to enter into renewable-only tariffs uh, with their customers. What we've seen is there are a lot of consumer goods companies, a lot of CPG companies, uh, who want to be able to say to their consumers that they're zero waste. Uh, and a part of that is being able to say that we power our facilities entirely with renewable energy. You know, we have the we are the fifth largest uh, producer of wind energy in America. Uh, we have abundant solar resources. It's sort of the flip side uh, of having a, a prolonged drought. Mm -hmm. uh, the sun shines a lot in right. Kansas and, mm -hmm. and in parts of Kansas. So I think if we have policies, again, freeing up our utilities to enter into renewable-only tariffs, I think will accelerate the development of the energy sector in Kansas uh, and create lots of jobs and opportunities for people. You know, the other thing I would say in that regard as well is, you know, we are at the connection point between the eastern and the western interconnect as it relates to the power grid. Uh, I've talked to uh, the CEO of the largest transmission provider in Kansas about the idea of connecting the southern power pool with the Mountain West power pool so that we can start to export our power uh, uh, west into Colorado. And I think if we're able to do that, which is, which is very much something that's possible, if we're able to do that, you know, Kansas can see an energy renaissance, uh, the likes of which we really haven't seen in the United States in a long time. How about agriculture? Very important, obviously, to the Kansas economy. Yeah, absolutely. Our economy is very dependent on, on agriculture. In fact, one of the reasons I asked John Dahl from Garden City uh, to be my running mate was because of his background uh, in agribusiness and the fact that he would be a strong and powerful voice uh, for agricultural interests in the state of Kansas. You know, there are a handful of things that we need to do to help the agricultural sector. You know, one of them is we need to get serious about addressing our water issues, particularly in western Kansas. Uh, the Ogallala Aquifer is depleting. Uh, you know, the Brownback administration came out with a 50-year water plan, but then didn't fund most of the critical elements of it. Uh, I think we have to get serious about water. When I talk to water rights owners in western Kansas, what I find is they genuinely want to be a part of the solution. Uh, they're willing to work in a collaborative way to come up with an approach that conserves water, even if it means in many cases not fully utilizing their own water rights because they recognize how important that resource is uh, to the rest of the nation. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the other thing we have to make sure we do for the agricultural sector is keep our markets open. 
you know, right now we're facing a pretty damaging trade war. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's going to have a huge impact on soybean producers in the eastern side of the state, a huge impact on milo producers in the western side of the state. Uh, you know, we need to make sure that the administration understands how serious we view that issue. Uh, and we need to really work with our congressional delegation to make sure uh, that whatever happens in Washington around trade policy, they understand how very important it is. Uh, to our state. Not only the trade uh, war with China, but also the European Union. And then we talk about Canada and Mexico as well, North American Free Trade Agreement. How does a governor uh, influence that? You talk about uh, the congressional delegation, obviously. How else can, can a governor influence that? Well, you know, and, and again, there the, we, we are to a certain extent constrained in that uh, trade policy, as you know, is established at the federal level. So to the extent we can put pressure on, that's one thing. The other thing I think we can do independently is look for new markets for our farmers. Uh, and so, you know, we've seen we've seen an example recently of, of a market like Cuba opening up. Uh, I, I think I think Kansas wheat uh, should be uh, filling the shelves uh, in Cuba, and I think we need to push for that. Uh, and I think as governor, we can establish trade delegations that go out and make it very clear that Kansas is open for business, that we want to work with you, that we we are a terrific producer of agricultural products, and we want to we want to send them to you. You know, the other thing we can do uh, is we can focus on value-added opportunities. When I talk about being an intermodal manufacturer, you know, I had a conversation with someone who was looking to put an aseptic manufacturing facility in Edgerton. Uh, and when I asked him if he was looking to do that because of the distribution efficiencies shipping his product to the rest of the world, uh, what he said was, well, that was only part of it. Uh, the other part of it is within six hours of Edgerton, Kansas, I can get 100% of the inputs that I need to manufacture my products. Uh, and so I think if we build more intermodal manufacturing in Kansas, we're also going to be creating local markets uh, for our product uh, on a value-added manufacturing basis that then can be exported. Uh, and so I think that's an opportunity. You know, finally, the other thing we've talked a lot about on the campaign trail is, is giving farmers the freedom to farm industrial hemp. Uh, the nice thing about industrial hemp is in many applications, it needs to be processed immediately. And so if we can start to develop uh, a supply base for industrial hemp, that's also going to bring value-added manufacturing with it. Aerospace and aviation, obviously important to the Wichita area, goes along with uh, some of the manufacturing that you've talked about. It does. And, and you know, one of the things that, that I think and one of the opportunities that I think we have is to work with... Uh, our Regents Universities, particularly Wichita State, around the development uh, of aviation-related technology. Uh, you know, if you look at the Cleveland Federal Reserve, they did a study in 2005 where they looked at income growth in the United States over 75 years. Uh, and what they found was the places that had the most patent applications also had the highest level of income growth. And so if we can align industry needs with our Regents University system and start to focus on the development of technology that industry needs, I think we can see a substantial increase in our aviation sector. A good example of that, uh, I've personally gotten involved in a business 
uh, recently that was going through some financial difficulties. And so we got involved to turn it around, but it was a partnership basically between the Wichita State and their Center for Aviation uh, and a local manufacturer who was trying to tr provide a product that was a better answer for one of Spirit Aerosystem's concerns. Right. Uh, and so I think those kinds of partnerships you know, create a real opportunity for us to leverage our expertise in aviation, leverage our Regents University system, and ultimately grow that space. Education, the, we had the Gannon uh, uh, ruling from the Supreme Court, kind of gave us another year. Uh, where do you go on education and, uh, and helping K through 12 specifically? Well, you know, I think the Supreme Court was pretty specific in terms of what needs to happen to satisfy them. And so I think the legislature and the, and the governor, whoever the governor is, now has at least a set of targets that, that we need to meet. And I think that was helpful and constructive in that process. I think the challenge we have with education and I see this in a lot of policy areas, is we're drawing solutions from what I would consider to be two very outdated playbooks. You know, on the one hand, we see a desire in many cases to move to private school vouchers and sort of solve the equity issue by saying, let's let everybody have the opportunity to go anywhere they want uh, to school. You know, the reality is uh, I think there's one private high school west of Wichita. Mm -hmm. You know, how does a private school voucher actually solve a problem for a kid in Colby, Kansas? Right. You know, on the other hand, we hear, we hear a desire to pour, you know, hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars into the top of the funnel. And yet, no one's taking the approach that a business person would take to this, which is to say, what's the root cause of the problem? And if you look at that, if you look at the achievement gap between low-income kids and high-income kids and K through 12, two-thirds of it can be attributed to the summer learning deficit. You know, so we need more summer reading programs. We need more summer learning programs to be available to people. We also see significant returns from early childhood education. Uh, we need to be investing in early childhood education. My approach would be to say, how do we get more uh, and better outcomes without spending considerably more. And I think that means we've got to look at the root cause of the problem and we've got to start to innovate in education, you know, the same way we've been innovating in other industries. Healthcare is obviously important to Kansas, not only rural healthcare, access to it, but also Wichita being a healthcare hub for the state. Uh, what kinds of things do you have on your on your list to help out healthcare in Kansas? Well, and healthcare is also important because of one of our critical issues related to economic development, which is workforce development. Right. And I'd love to talk to you about workforce development a little bit uh, as well as mm -hmm. it relates to our economic growth uh, plans. But in terms of healthcare, I think we send an awfully uh, bad message. Uh, to people who are working but aren't making high wages in the state of Kansas. And that is, if you get sick, quit your job. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's because under our current Medicaid system, to qualify for Medicaid, you have to earn less than 41% of the poverty line. But to qualify for subsidies through the Affordable Care Act, you have to earn 138% of the poverty line. So if you're a single mother trying to improve her life, making $10 an hour, and you get sick, you, you don't qualify for Medicaid. Uh, and so the only way for you to get health care resources is to quit your job. And so I do believe, 
given that we have a 90% federal match right now, and I believe we can do some things to, to make up that 10%, I do believe we need to expand Medicaid. Uh, I also think that opens us up to go to a more of a population health approach in Medicaid. You know, I, I, I tell people one of the real issues with healthcare uh, is it's the only industry I know of where you get paid to fix your own mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, if you pay someone to paint your house and they get the trim color wrong, when they come back and fix the trim color, they don't give you another bill. Mm -hmm. But in healthcare, we do precisely that. And so I think we need to change the incentives in healthcare. We need to pay based on outcomes, not based on procedures performed. And we need to give our healthcare providers an incentive to keep people healthy instead of taking care of them after they get sick, which we all know is considerably more expensive. Right. Uh, finally, in healthcare, I, I want to petition CMS to allow us to both negotiate prescription drug prices in the Medicaid plan and deny pharmaceutical uh, companies access to our formulary if they aren't willing to negotiate their, their prescription drug prices. Mm -hmm. You know, today, the way Medicaid pays for prescription drugs, we get a 24% rebate off of the list price. But the list price is a price that someone else picks. Mm -hmm. It's the price that the manufacturer picks. So if they want to make $10 a pill, they charge us 13 you know, if they want to make a dollar a pill, they charge us a dollar thirty. And no self-respecting capitalist that I know uh, wouldn't want to negotiate those prices. Right. You talked about workforce. Wichita is trying to find a solution. We're losing population, but we've got a lot of unfilled jobs, and uh, that, that may be happening in other parts of the state as well. Uh, how do we bolster our workforce to make sure that uh, this economy is growing? Well, you know, and, and those are, in some senses, two separate issues. Um, you know, in terms of workforce development, uh, I do believe we need to do more to help people uh, pursue what I call professional education, what we've historically called technical education. Mm -hmm. And I, I call it professional education for a reason. Uh, you know, there are 34 countries in the Organization for Economic uh, Cooperation and Development and only one of them values a technical education the same as an academic education. It happens to be Germany, and it's no surprise they have a $100 billion trade surplus. Right. Uh, and so I think we need to do more to allow kids to get technical educations, build more pathways. You know, one of the things I want to do is have a revolving loan program so that for those students who don't qualify for guaranteed student loans because they're not in a four-year or two-year program, uh, they still have access to the resources to allow them to develop a trade and a skill and ultimately fill those, those roles. I also want to develop public-private partnerships and give private industry an incentive for participating with our community and technical colleges in workforce development programs. And so I think there's lots of opportunities there for us to, to do workforce development. You know, as it relates to the population problem, we, we have a reputation challenge in Kansas. You know, William Allen White, the famed Emporia Gazette editor, once said, when anything's going to happen in America, it happens first in Kansas. Populism, prohibition, the bull moose, all big political movements started in Kansas. Mm -hmm. You know, it's safe to say that the issue that brought the nation to the brink of the Civil War was whether or not Kansas would be admitted as a free state. You know, we used to lead. Uh, we used to be a place that people looked to for inspiration, for ideas, for innovation. 
Uh, unfortunately, over the last 10 years, we've become something different. You know, we've seen a lot of articles in the national media written about what's the matter with Kansas. Mm -hmm. Well, we need to change that. We need that narrative to change. We need people to talk about what's right about Kansas again and solve that reputational pro problem. Make sure people understand what a great place Kansas is to live. You know, the fact that we've got great public schools, now we've underinvested in them a bit, but we're, we're, we're addressing that issue. Uh, we've got good natural treasures. The Flint Hills are wonderful. You know, I'm speaking this evening at the opening of a new park in, in Wichita, and you know, we've got a great park system. Uh, you know, what I found is while it's difficult to get people to move here to work, once they move here and live here, they love it. Right. And, and so we've got to change that reputational deficit. And as governor of Kansas, I would see it as one of my primary responsibilities uh, to be the chief spokesperson and the chief salesperson for the state of Kansas and change that narrative. Get mm -hmm. people to stop talking about what's the matter with Kansas and start talking about what's right about Kansas. How does an independent governor work with either a Republican or a Democratic uh, legislature? Well, I mean, I think the likelihood is we will have a Republican legislature. And, and, you know, I've gotten asked this question a lot, and it sort of gets framed as you don't have a natural support base. How are you going to work with the legislature? Well, right. the, the reality is I don't have a natural enemy base. You know, so often in politics today, the two parties seem much more interested in seeing the other party fail than they do in seeing our state or our country succeed. And so what invariably ends up happening is ideas advanced by one side are dead on arrival with the other. Right. Uh, and I think that's in large part because they're focused on solving the wrong problem. They're focused on solving the problem of how do I get reelected instead of how do I improve the lives of my constituents. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we'll have a great relationship with the legislature. I've already talked to leaders in both the House and the Senate uh, on the Republican side and talked about my vision for Kansas. And I think there's a real openness and a willingness uh, to work with me because I think they genuinely care about the state of Kansas as well. Um, you know, as a business person also, the other thing I would say is, you know, I have to spend my life solving problems in an environment of conflict. And, you know, this was presented to me maybe the best way the senior vice president of American Express for Marketing at one point said to me, you know, I get paid based on the number of cards that are out there, but the CFO gets paid based on how, how low our bad debt expenses. Right. So if the CFO gets his way, Warren Buffett's the only guy in America who gets an American Express right. card. If I get my way, anybody who fills out an application gets an American Express card. You know, somehow they have to figure out with conflicting uh, goals how to accomplish a greater goal, and, the, and they do, and we do that in the private sector all the time. You know, I'm under no illusions that this is going to be easy. I'm going to have to roll up my sleeves. There's a lot of hard work to be done. I'm going to have to do a lot of listening and a lot of working with people to get to the right answer. Uh, but I think my experience as being a successful entrepreneur and common sense problem solver uh, is far better preparation for the job of governor than someone who's been a lifetime career partisan politician. Greg Orman is uh, an independent running for Kansas governor, and uh, we wish you luck as you travel throughout the state. The uh, primary is coming up, but you're, you're going to go on to the, uh, to the November election, so uh, we'll be watching for you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me here. Thanks. Most bankers are good at banking talk. What you need is a banker who knows how to talk business. Your business, that is. I'm Andrew Cheney, commercial lender here at Equity Bank. If you've got plans to grow, we're ready to talk about your business. Visit EquityBank.com. 
Well, again, we're doing our best to schedule each candidate for governor to join us on the podcast before the August primary. Coming up, Democrat Carl Brewer and Republican Jim Barnett. That's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 60, a new episode every week. You can see the others at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks to producer Brittany Showalter, and thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Have a profitable week.